Uh, now please join me on the back of your bulletin or in your Bible. I'm going to read from Luke 19, 1 through 10. Luke 19, 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you this morning. We thank you that we all get to come together and gather and worship, gather and read your word together. Please be with Brian as he speaks. Uh, Give him words that are going to encourage and build up this church. And God, help us to be humble and to receive your words. I pray that we would be seeking to honor you today, uh, that we'd be chasing after you like Zacchaeus and not letting anything get in the way. Jesus, we love you and pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right. Good morning, everyone. I invite you to keep your Bible open and as we study. Um, we are in a brief series uh, wrapping up our summertime together on Jesus, your money, and your possessions. It is one of those topics that um, I know often we don't want to talk about, and um, our finances can cause stress. It can uh, cause relationships to break down. It can be a source of security. Um, so I think it's really important to, to be students of God's word and, and have a clear understanding of what Jesus teaches us about money and material possessions. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, gives us the most clear and precise explanation of what Christianity is all about when Jesus says that I have come to seek and save the lost. And so we will um, study that phrase this morning and then think through the implications uh, of that. I believe uh, this morning that everyone here has come, at least in part, to learn about authentic Christianity, not some man-made version, not my take on it, not um, somebody else's, but that we would study the scriptures together and we would allow Jesus to speak to us about how we handle um, our finances and our attitudes. And so that's why I strongly encourage you to bring your Bible, strongly encourage you to follow along in the bulletin and... um, Somebody once said years ago, you can never trust a preacher. So maybe it's true sometimes. So follow along for yourself. Be a student yourself. Engage yourself. Hold me accountable to being true to God's word. And we'll study and grow together. This morning, it's a story about a guy named Zacchaeus. And he is 
highly wealthy uh, and, and powerful. He is not a down and outer. He is an up and outer. He is somebody who has been rejected. He's not a part of the cool group, but he is extremely wealthy. And the passage this morning um, will teach us, we'll break it up this way, into two important things. Number one is this. What does the passage teach us about Jesus? What does this story teach us about Jesus? And question number two is, what does this story teach us about Zacchaeus and our finances? So very simple. We're going to make some observations. You can follow along and, and see if my observations are accurate. And we'll see then how this impacts our lives. So number one, what do we learn about Jesus? And that is first that he has come to seek and save those who are lost. Verse 10 um, Jesus says that clearly, that that is his mission. But there are more things that we learn. We learn that some people, or we would say in this context for today, that we are all in need of a Savior, that there is a significant part of our life that are broken, that need the gospel, that need Jesus. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, uh, in chapter 4, verses 18 through 25, he gives us a description of what life looks like without Christ. And I believe we have that here, Ephesians 4, 18. You can follow along in your own Bible. But here's what the Apostle Paul says. That those who do not know Christ are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have not given themselves and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupted through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in the true righteousness, in true righteousness and in holiness. So there is, and we'll stop there. Thank you, Russell. There's a picture there then that our life is to be different in Christ. That there is a distinguishing trait of your life. And Jesus comes to change people's life. He comes to transform people's life. Jesus did not come to inspire. He did not come to coach. He did not come to give you little life tips about how to make your life better. He came for a radical life transformation. And so there is then some more specifics about what we learn about Jesus. Observation number one about Jesus, and that is this. Jesus is looking. It says he's seeking to save the lost. Jesus came looking for people that everyone else despises. Jesus comes looking for, every, for the person that everyone else despises. So think about that for a moment. I thought about giving examples. I'm not going to do it this morning. But if you've paid attention to the news over the last few weeks, there are several men, powerful, wealthy men, who have done horrible things. 
Not that much different. Some different details are different. But we learn from this passage that Jesus is looking for people that everyone else despises. So we might ask the question, looking out at you, you're all very clean, nice-looking, attractive people, probably part of the in-group in many circles, but maybe not. But what do we learn about people who are well-respected, who are good moral people, who are trying to live a decent life in contrast to those who are despised? Well, if you have your Bible, just turn a page. One chapter back, Luke chapter 18 we have the example of the good person, the quality person. And here is what this person says. This is Luke chapter 18, verse 18, and says this. And a ruler asked him, referring to Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So he wants to be saved. Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost. So this guy wants that. He wants eternal life. Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not lie or bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And this man said, all of these things I have kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, one thing you still lack, see, or excuse me, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. So here's a clear contrast, Luke chapter 18, Luke chapter 19. Here is the complete outsider, the despised one, the one that is looked down upon. Here is the popular one, the good guy, handsome, successful, moral, all-around good guy. And Jesus says to him, sell all that you have. That thing you're holding on to the most, you need to release it. And what happens to the man? Verse 23, but when this guy heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult is it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. We need, we need to learn and stay on track if we want to have authentic Christianity and not our own man-made version, you need to know, we need to all remember that Jesus has his eyes and ears on those who are despised by everyone else. Number two, what else do we learn about Jesus? Jesus does not care if the good moral people get mad at him. He doesn't care. So Luke chapter 19 versus uh, the story of Zacchaeus, the crowd grumbles. Probably uh, like doing those, some of those little expletives kind of thing. Um, who is Jesus associating with this guy? <clears throat> Jesus doesn't ask for permission. He's not asking for any of our permission about who he is pursuing doesn't care about what the good people think. It's important to remember that. So we've learned that Jesus goes for the outsiders. He goes for those who are despised in culture. 
And he doesn't care if the good moral people at church get mad when he associates with the outsiders. Number three, we learn this about Jesus, that he wants to make your life totally new. He wants an internal transformation. C.S. Lewis writes about this in his book, Mere Christianity. Jesus did not come to make people nice. The goal here is not to make you a nice person, a friendly person. The goal is to have your life radically and completely transformed by Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, that anyone who believes in Christ becomes a new person, that your old life is gone and you've begun a new life. Number four, what else do we learn about Jesus? Jesus calls his followers to join him in making the world a better place right now. Jesus calls on his followers to join him in making the world a better place right now. And we'll see that as we look more at the life of Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus is going to take radical, tangible steps to make his community, Jericho, a better place. In the same way, Jesus is calling on us to make Malibu a better place. Wherever you live, Malibu West, Point Doom, PCH, Seminole Springs, Pepperdine University, Thousand Oaks, wherever you are living, if you are a follower of Christ, there's a call on our lives to make it a better place. So think about this for a moment. If Jesus is pursuing those who are often rejected by the outsiders, if Jesus doesn't care if people in church get mad about reaching out to those outsiders, if Jesus calls on us to make our communities a better place right now, you will quickly understand that there is nothing chill, there's nothing convenient, there's nothing comfortable and easy about following Jesus. That there's a call in our life that's more important than just personal happiness. What else do we learn about Jesus? There are so many things, and we're going to, I won't go over all of them, but here's some significant significant ones. Another one, Jesus calls you by name. He doesn't say to Zacchaeus, hey, you, hey. He says Zacchaeus, and there is power in that. I encourage you, if you are in your 20s and you want to learn a lot about humanity and people, become a substitute teacher in an inner city school. That was my part-time job when I was in seminary. I worked for a, a couple of years as a substitute teacher in Norwalk and different parts of L.A. And one of the things that I quickly learned when you are in a classroom full of <clears throat> sophomores, about 30 or 40 of them, and I don't know anyone's name, it's pretty funny. Hey, you, hey, you, stop, stop talking. Who? Hey, 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 you. Chaos. You want to try to learn? You want to be a good parent? Learn how to manage 30, 15-year-olds that you don't know their name, and they love feasting and terrorizing a substitute teacher. So here's what I quickly learned. <clears throat> I would send a note to the teacher, and I would say, please leave me a seating chart with names. And then I could say, hey, Frank, 
talking a little bit too much. And I would look right at them and call them by name. And then progress began to happen. You began to manage something. You began to have a personal connection with somebody. One of the most challenging days I had, and this is the, wor- the worst job of all, is being a PE teacher for 10th graders when it's their day to run the mile. Like, how many 10th graders want to run the mile? Nobody. So, I've got a lot of kids, 50 or 60 kids, and they're, they're arranged in like a horseshoe shape. And um, I'm not trying to discourage, like, your, uh, your view of humanity, but what I quickly learned, nothing to do with the sermon here, don't turn your back to 10th graders. Literally, boys being boys picked up rocks and began throwing them at me. Thought it was quite funny, quite enjoyable. Everyone starts laughing. So finally I learned, so don't turn your back on uh, 10th graders. Time to run the mile, taking attendance. And I say, all right, class, let's go run the mile. They all sit there and stare at me. Nobody moves. Come on, guys, it'll be fun. (laughs) Nobody moves. How do you get... I don't remember how many, 50 or 60 PE classes extra, extra big. How do you get 50 or 60 10th graders to go run a mile when they don't want to and you're by yourself? What would you do? The only thing that came to my mind, I had this sheet of paper with everyone's name on it. And at the very top, it was alphabetical. And it was primarily, uh, this is Norwalk, John Glenn High School, primarily Latino, Alvarez, and I had, to give, uh, I had to give a daily grade for each person. Alvarez, F. Antonio, F. And I got through about three or four names, maybe a few more. And then one or two got up, three or four, and finally I got them all to go run their mile. There's something far more important than that story, and that is this, is that Jesus calls us by name. And that is a connection. There is a personal connection for us all to understand that right now that the Holy Spirit can be tapping you on your shoulder and saying, Jesus is calling you by name. And he wants you to live a new way. That there is a opportunity for you to live in a completely new way. Your life can be transformed by Jesus. Last one about Jesus. There's a lot. Jesus isn't always polite. Jesus is not always polite. Look what he does. Jesus does, he says this to Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming over to your house for dinner tonight. He invites himself over. Now, one of the things we forget about, too, is that Jesus is here with his disciples. So Jesus and his disciples just invited themselves over to Jesus' home. And I think it's important for us to recall and just remember this, to think about this, that Jesus is calling you by name and he wants a relationship with you. That He wants to know you. There is a cultural um, understanding here of family and friendship and intimacy. One of the things that we learn when we study the Bible is that Jesus is not interested in some religious external behavior. He's interested in your heart. 
He's interested in who you are on the inside. This passage has absolutely nothing to do with tithing or budget or anything like that. This has to do with Jesus calling people by name and wanting to share life with them, wanting a life transformation. So that's just quickly what we learn about Jesus. What do we learn um, about Zacchaeus other than he's short? There's a lot here. What do we want to learn? So here's what we can learn. Here's how we'll phrase it this way. If you want to learn something about Zacchaeus and how Zacchaeus can help us know God better, here's what we have to do. Number one is this. You have to ignore the crowd. Number two, you have to climb a tree. Number three, you have to welcome him into your home. Ignore the crowd, climb a tree, and welcome him into your home. Here's what Luke chapter 19 says about Zacchaeus. 19 verse 1 says this, Jericho, excuse me, Jesus enters Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector. It's important to pause here for one second. So a tax collector um, was somebody, he was a Jewish man who partnered and collaborated with Rome, the enemy occupying country. Here's what one commentator says about this. As a tax collector, Zacchaeus was most, a most unpopular guy in Jericho. He essentially had sold out his fellow citizens. He abused them, coerced them, collected far more money from them than he should have. Zacchaeus traded his honor and good name and good relationships for a pot of gold. He was a money slave. He sold his soul to the Romans and to the dollar. He was the kingpin of the Jericho tax cartel. Another commentator says this, Zacchaeus, as the chief tax collector, it was evident that the Gospels used this title as a term of abuse. So, Again, if you, if you just pay attention to the news and the world we live in over the last year, years, recent years, how many people abuse others to make money? Think about how many schemes and how even power structures are set up in our country to abuse the poor, where people take advantage of those who are hurting and oppressed that was this guy. That was Zacchaeus. He was a powerful, he wasn't just a, unfortunately, if you grew up in the church and you learned the song, he was a wee little man. It's kind of a, a, a distortion. He was short, but extremely politically powerful and wealthy. But here's what he does. He ignores the crowd he ignores this massive group of people that despise him. I read this this week from um, one author talking about Christianity. Many people I have met don't believe Christianity for a kind of visceral reasoning. They have this strong dislike towards Christianity. And the visceral reasoning goes like this. 
if Christianity was true, it could not produce people like this. But it seems like it is producing people like this. Therefore, Christianity cannot be true. But you know what? You need to do something that Zacchaeus did. How did Zacchaeus get over this barrier? He found a way to look at Jesus apart from the crowd. And so we're, we're trying to do a couple things this morning. We are trying not to be the kind of Christians, as this quote talks about, where we abuse people, we take advantage of people. It, it's everywhere. And the church in America has a bad track record. We know that to be true. Where pastors and church leaders manipulate people, intimidate people, abuse people in the name of Jesus to acquire money. And what Zacchaeus teaches us, though, is that while that is true, don't allow that truth to be a barrier for you to Jesus. And the calling on our lives as a church is we better be diligent in our study of God's word to be Christians who are authentic to what it means to follow Jesus. The author goes on and says this, not only did he not let the crowd keep him from, from seeing Jesus, but he didn't even try to see Jesus through the crowd. He found a vantage point by which he could get over the crowd and get past the crowd and see Jesus directly. It's kind of sad that I have to say this as a minister, but I must say this. You have to get past the self-righteousness of many professing Christians. You have to get past their hypocrisy and their inconsistency of so many people in the church now and over the centuries. And so we have to ask ourselves, and I said this in the beginning, we're coming together in our study and search of authentic Christianity and self-righteous, hypocritical Christians do much damage. In spite of the damage, work your way through the crowd and get to Jesus. Here's what's interesting. I think most people, and I was thinking about this uh, just this week, a year or two ago that my wife Karen and I were in New York, and I think it was, I think it was the Veterans Day Parade. I don't recall the exact title of it, but it was beautiful. It was amazing. And I'm, I'm a slightly taller than most people. I'm maybe 6'1 or whatever. And if there was a gentleman behind me that was 5'1", and he's kind of doing this kind of thing, kind of look over, I'd be like, hey, step in front. Go ahead. It's okay. No problem. But here's what we learn about the crowd. The crowd despises Zacchaeus. But in his quest to know the real Jesus, he's going to ignore the crowd. How does... How does the crowd, and think about this, I'm going to broaden this out a little bit. How does the crowd, how do people today, maybe even us here, hopefully not, how do we make judgments about people? One pastor I read this week said this, that most people wrongly, inaccurately, not the way Jesus would do it or the way the Bible teaches, judge people by this, by evaluating and comparing people. look at you, evaluate what, what kind of clothes you wear, your hairstyle, what kind of car, all these things. 
How do people make judgments about people? Here's what he said. A few easy words to remember. Number one, this is the way the world evaluates and compares people. Number one, by appearances. By appearance. We live in the capital. Do we know this, right? We live in the capital of this in Malibu, California, where everyone's beautiful all the time. We make judgments about people based on how they look. The Bible never does. In fact, it says the opposite in the Old Testament. People look at outward appearances, but God looks at our hearts. Number two, people make evaluations and comparisons based on affluence. This is the myth of materialism. What kind of car do you have? Where do you live? What kind of toys? Rick Warren says this, and this is a nice, easy, catchy thing for you to remember. Never connect your self-worth with your net worth. Never connect your self-worth with your net worth. Because a recession will lead, he likes to be poetic, a recession will lead to a depression. Never connect your personal wealth as a human being to your bank account. Next, we evaluate and compare people based on achievements. What have I accomplished in life? These are the workaholics that I will bust my way in through my achievements. Next, approval. How well am I liked? Unfortunately, people will spend years of their lives seeking the approval of certain people. Give it up. People are always asking, what do other people think? The crowd is brutal. The crowd is self-righteous. The crowd is unfair. The crowd is evaluating and judging Zacchaeus based on his past life, which justifiably so, because of his abuse and taking advantage of people, he was despised. So be very careful about how we evaluate people. Remember that Jesus came for the outsiders. Number two, we have to climb a tree. Now this is a little bit funny, but there's significance here. All right, so in the same way as today, New Testament culture would look down upon grown men climbing a tree. All right, so imagine at the next event, we have a few Pepperdine, and we're kind of back here in school, Pepperdine. Imagine your next event at Pepperdine. There's some outdoor event, and you see the president of Pepperdine University up in a tree trying to look over, or the dean of the law school, the dean of the business school. Professional people don't climb trees. Children climb trees. Here's what we learn about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus begins with some intellectual openness, and he's willing to put his pride aside to find the real Jesus. Are you willing to put your side of pride to find a real, the real Jesus? Well, what is the price of climbing a tree? Ridicule and mocking. Some people might tease you. Some people might make fun of you. But Jesus says, just a few verses back, Luke chapter, eight, Luke chap, chapter 18, verse 15 through 17, 
He says this, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. There's a humility that Zacchaeus shows for us. If you want to know the real Jesus, if you want to learn from Zacchaeus, push your pride aside and get the right view of the real Jesus. Number three, last thing we learn about Zacchaeus is he takes Jesus home. And this is where Zacchaeus learns what it means to be an authentic follower of Jesus. Luke, the author, says this about Zacchaeus. He says that he received him joyfully. Verse 5 says this, And when Jesus came to the place where, where Zacchaeus was, he's up in the tree, sycamore tree, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurriedly came down and received him joyfully. And so Jesus is going to come to his house. The, the passage says that when the crowd sees us, they all grumbled. And what do we learn from Jesus spending time in Zacchaeus' home? That there's a total life transformation a total life transformation, including our view of money. Let me give you a couple of verses just to show you this, how this happens. First John chapter 3. Says this. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So in the same thing at this passage, and, and the apostle John writes this that there must be a transformation, a love and care and concern. James chapter 2 says that our faith must be put into action. Last week, we described the word generosity as love in action. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says, I'm a follower of Jesus, I have faith, but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says, go in peace. The Christian handshake. Be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? And so this is what Zacchaeus is learning. And here's what's interesting. Zacchaeus says this about himself, is that he has defrauded people. He has taken advantage of people. He has manipulated people, hurt people, and stole their money. So what is he going to do? He's going to give half of his money to the poor. And anyone that he has abused or taken advantage of, lied to, he will restore fourfold. And what does Jesus say about this action? He says this, that salvation has come to this house. He's making this tangible connection that if you're professing Christ, if there's something, if Jesus has changed your heart, then there will be tangible ways in which that will be seen. There's so much here, but let me just show you one thing that we learned from Zacchaeus. That money has the power to destroy and rip families apart. Money has the power to rip communities apart, has the power to rip countries apart. But equally, it has the power to bring healing. 
Half of his wealth automatically goes to those who are in desperate need. And here is the restoration process. If I've stole from you, if I've taken advantage of you, I'm not only returning what I've done to hurt you, I'm giving you back even more, four times the amount. And so we learn that when Jesus says that I've come to seek and save the lost, that he's talking about a complete life transformation that includes our money. The Christian life is much more than money, obviously, but it always includes money. And we have to remember that. We have to remember that there is a renewing work in our lives, a renewing work in our community that happens when we are generous. As we continue to study this and we see this, we will see that generosity of time, of forgiveness, generosity of friendship, generosity of saying I'm sorry, generosity of resources, of our money, is a non-negotiable part of the Christian life. And there are times, if we're honest, there are times that that is hard. But Jesus says this, consider the cost of being my disciple. Think carefully about that because the evidence of a new life is generosity. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the generosity that has been shown here in our community. I pray that we would have open hearts of kindness, open hearts of friendship, open hearts of compassion. Father, I pray that you would help grow within our hearts the full force of generosity, not just our finances, but all of who we are. Pray that we would be humble enough to evaluate our lives, to be willing to grow, that if the Holy Spirit is tapping us on the shoulder, that we would respond with openness. Help us to remember that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. We love you. In the name of Jesus, amen.